Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. You can join me in Ephesians chapter 4. If you'd like to follow along in scripture this morning, um, we are going to be looking at a few verses from Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, this week and next week, we're going to be looking at these couple of verses. Because over the last couple of weeks, um, we've talked about this, this idea of community this awkward and essential challenge of Christian community, the the idea that God has called us to be in community, he's called us to live in unity with one another, and that he's put this tremendous importance on that. That, That he, in fact, Jesus will tell us that the most important part of our witness, the most important part of your witness to the world around you is not your apologetics. It's not how much Bible you've memorized. It's not how many days a week you go to church. It's not how many small groups you attend. It's not even how much money you give to the church. It's, It's none of these things. It's actually in the way we love each other. That that's the most important witness that that we have. It's even more important than the way we love the world is the way that we love each other. That the unity and community that we are supposed to have as a church is supposed to shine like a light into the world where they would look at what we do and they would see all of these diverse people in in so many different ways and in so many different ways we should be divided up. And even us as a church, we've now added an additional way to divide us up. Because did you come to the 9 o'clock or did you go to the 1045? And, And these are all ways that we can be divided up. We can be divided up politically. We can be divided up racially. We can be divided up in all kinds of ways. But what God says is that all of these ways that divide the world up, that the world is so comfortable being divided up, we as believers need to be above all of that. So that when the world looks at the church, it sees something that can't happen without Jesus. That can't happen without him in working in us, that this group of people who should not be able to be together aren't just together, but they really love each other. They really care about each other. And the world looks at that and goes, that's something that doesn't happen without Jesus. And so we've talked about the priority of this, how, how we need to do this But this week and next week, I want to talk to you, because it's one thing to know that you need to do something, but there's something that's as important as knowing that, or knowing what you need to do. It's also really important to know how you're supposed to do it. That to give someone a job, to give someone a task is fine, but if you don't tell them how to do it, you may not get what it is you thought you were after. That, that I can tell you to build a house. But if you don't know how to build, you can give it your best effort. But if you don't know how to build a house, 
You're not building a house. You can try. You can do. You can give it your best. But if you don't know how to build a house, it won't happen. And so we don't just want to talk about, well, these are the things we need to do, church. But, but we need to take a moment and say, okay, but how? How do we do that? And so for this week and next week, we're going to look at these couple of verses from Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul tells us, how to do this. How do we have community and how do we live in unity? And so we come to Ephesians chapter 4 starting at verse 1 where Paul will write this. He will say, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul was in prison as he was writing these things. He, he was in prison for, for sharing the gospel. He was in prison for preaching Jesus. And so he's writing to, to this church in a city called Ephesus um, about how to run their church and, and what being a church looks like. And so he's writing from prison and he says to them this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul says that the calling of your life has value. That in order, that, that you need to understand that the call on your life, this call to be a Christian, this call to be a church, it means something. It has value and its value comes from the one who has called you to do it. And so to live a life worthy of the call that you have received. And then he goes to tell us what that looks like. He says in verse 2, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So what we see here is, is Paul again stressing the importance of unity. That he says, if you, you need to live a life worthy of the call that you have received from the Lord of heaven and earth. And in order to live out that calling, what do we need to do? Unity. That it's unity. You need to, in order to live this out... You need to do every single thing you can to live in unity with other people. And so as we look at, at what Paul has to say here, what we see is we discover four things that he calls us to be and one way that he calls us to do those things. And so for this week and next week, that's what we're going to look at, is these, these five things that come out of these verses. Today we're just going to look at the first two. Um, we're going to look at a couple of these things that Paul tells us to do. So he begins with this. He says, be completely humble. So Paul begins by telling us that we need to live with humility. We need to be humble. Now, humility is a bit of a challenging thing for us to understand at times. What does it really mean to be humble? Because sometimes what we think about when we think about being humble is that we sometimes think that what that means is that I need to think really lowly about myself. That, that in order to be humble, I, I need to think really badly about myself. That humility looks like, I stink. I'm not good at anything. And when people tell you that, that you're, oh, wow, that was great when you did it. It wasn't very good. And, and that what we, in order to be humble, that, that somehow what it means is to think poorly of ourselves. And that, that, that I'm being humble. I'm being humble by, by thinking poorly about myself. 
But humility really isn't about the way we view ourselves. And in fact, when Jesus was asked what the two greatest commandments were, is he would say that they were to love God, and then he would say to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there's an important caveat in that. Because he didn't just say love your neighbor. He said love your neighbor as yourself. And so if I think I'm garbage, if, if I think that in order to live with the humility that God's called me to have, that somehow I just need to think I'm terrible, well, then don't love your neighbor as yourself. Like, you, you can't, if you love your neighbor as yourself and you think that you're not worth anything, then, you're not, then you need to not love your neighbor as yourself because that's not what we're supposed to, like, the idea isn't if you think terribly about yourself, think terribly about everyone. That's not what Jesus was trying to get at. And so when we, we have this false understanding that humility means I'm terrible, then, then we actually miss out on, on who we are, that, that you were created in the image of God. You are an image bearer of God. And so when we think about ourselves, wah, wah, that's the image of God that we're speaking about. And so humility is not just simply about, oh, I'm terrible. I need to, but in order to make, in order to allow me to think about everybody else well, I need to think about myself Terribly. That, that's, not what, that's not what we're supposed to do. Because true humility isn't really about how we see ourselves. When we make humility about how we see ourselves, we're actually missing the point of true humility. True humility speaks to how we see other people in relation to ourselves. That it's not about how I see myself and that I just need to get myself lower than everybody else. It's about how I see other people in relation to me. Humility is the perspective to put others first. It's the assurance that, that serving others is more valuable than worrying about me first. Now, when we began our service today, we read some verses from Philippians chapter 2. And, and we're going to read those verses again. You don't have to read them with me this time. You can just listen to me and follow along if you like. But we're going to read some of these verses again because it shows us a little bit of a picture of what it means to put other people first. When Paul, or when Paul will write, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do not are not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Humility means that we see the value in other people and look to put their value ahead of our own. That it's not somehow I look at the value that you have and I need to make me worse. I can see the value that you have and I'm going to put your value ahead of mine doesn't mean that we think lowly of ourselves, that we're terrible and everybody else is amazing. It means that we choose to see the value in other people and we choose to take that value that other people have and we put it above our own. And that's hard work. If we're, if we're being honest, it's, it's, it's hard work because it's not natural. It's not what we're taught to do. And it costs. 
costs us something to do that. See, it's, it's human nature from Genesis chapter 3 on. It's human nature for us to think about ourselves first. That whenever something happens, how will this affect me? What, what about me in all of this? It's human nature to think about ourselves first. And then we're taught to do that. You're, you're taught to take care. Take care of number one. But make sure that you're good, and then you can make sure that others are good. But, but make sure that you're good first. When, when you go on an airplane, and they're doing the little safety demonstration, and they tell you that the little masks are going to pop down, they tell you, make sure to get yours on first, then help somebody else's. Now, that's good advice, and I'm not telling you to do that, and I'm not, next time you're on the plane, and they tell you, Put yours on first. Don't. Well, my pastor told me that, that, that that's not that's not what I'm saying. But it, it it's an example of where we're told: make sure you're good, and then make sure others are okay. But make sure you're good first. And if I put you first, it means that I'm not first. If if I put if I'm first, then I then I put you first. I'm not first anymore. And if I put you first, then I'm not, and then I miss out on the chance to be first. Makes me think of church potlucks. And you go and you wait in the line, and there's amazing food. Amazing looking food. And when you're at the front of the line, everything's there, and there's lots. And so you think, I'm going to take a nice big scoop. Actually, this looks really, I'm going to take two. Actually, it looks really, I'm going to take three. And you're loading up on your plate. And then there's the people who wait till the end of the line. And they pass through. And there's a bun that everything's fallen off of. And, and there's a loose pickle on a tray somewhere. And then there's cauliflower left in the veggie tray. Because <laughs> there's always cauliflower left in the veggie tray. So you've been kind and you've been generous and, and you've, you've said, I'm going to let others go first and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that take place. And then you come walking out of the front room with your plate of food and you're walking past all these people. They got lasagna and they got salad and they got meat pies and they got jollof rice and they've got all of this stuff. And you look down at your plate and you got a bun with a piece of cheese that's fallen off, a pickle and four pieces of cauliflower that you don't want. And you're just, and you're walking and you're trying under your breath and you're First she'll be last and last. One day there's going to be a potluck with my name on it. And you come and you sit down and, and you you tried to do the right thing and it cost you the lasagna. You, you try to do the right thing and it comes at a sacrifice. That the, the people at the front, because they were at the front, they got whatever they wanted. But because you put someone else's priority ahead of yours... You were left with cauliflower. When we put other people ahead, it can come at a cost. It requires sacrifice. But humility is the very heart that nurtures unity. Humility is the very heart that allows community to grow. 
as we do this, as we practice humility, it will go far in all of your relationships. See, see this advice is not just for a church. It's not somehow just inside of a church context, live with humility. But you need to, we need to, to live with humility in our marriages. We need to live in humility in our friendships. We need to live in humility with those we work with. And the more that we practice humility inside of every relationship that we have, I promise you that that relationship will grow the way it needs to. Because humility is the fertile ground where relationship grows. Humility is hard. But when we serve others and we direct all of our focus on God, then, then we see the me inside of us begin to shrink. And, you see the, and we see that unity will begin to take shape. Now, the second thing that Paul says is he says, be completely humble and gentle. You need to be gentle. Now, gentle is kind of a funny one. It's kind of a, a weird word. Because it's not always a term that we like to use about ourselves or about each other. You know, to say, oh, I know Bill. He's such a gentle guy. You, know, you, don't, you don't say that about a, Zach, our, 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 our boxing small group takes place at humble boxing. Because to be a boxer, you need to be humble and you need to be willing to put in the work. There's no gentle boxing. You know, well, where do you train? I train at gentle boxing. I'd like for my fight to be against you, please. You know, that, that we, we don't necessarily take the idea of gentleness and ascribe to it virtue. Um, uh, maybe in like the case of like a mother with a baby or like, especially like in a surprised case with like my son Owen and a child and people will be like, oh, he's really gentle. But it's not necessarily something that we ascribe as this tremendous virtue to people. Um, we live in a, in a society where, where it, you know, <laughs> to, to coin the phrase, well, not to coin, to use the phrase, uh, survival of the fittest. You know, you need to, to, to make sure that you're getting yours and gentleness is not necessarily seen as, as sort of, oh, it's a good thing. Gentleness is, is so often seen as something to be taken advantage of. And so instead in life, what we're, we're taught and we're encouraged is you need to be assertive. You need to make your voice heard. You, you need to be combative. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go far in life, you, you need to make sure that you're, you are exercising your voice. And so to even say this morning that, that Paul encourages us to be gentle, it can be tricky because not even totally sure what that means. D does that mean I'm supposed to be a doormat? D does that mean that I just let people run over me? D does it mean that I'm just supposed to let other people say whatever they want, do whatever they want, and, and I'm just supposed to stand there and take it? But Paul again gives us an insight into to what it means to live with gentleness. This time from the book of Colossians, he'll write in chapter 4, he'll say this, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Outsiders, is, he's just talking about people outside of the church. 
and he'll say, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Whenever we interact with somebody, Paul tells us in Colossians that we need to do that in grace. We need to do that through grace. That when you and I speak with someone, and Paul will say, especially with an outsider, but, but that also includes us, because it's especially, but you're still with, with your brothers and sisters. Whenever we talk with someone, it should actually bring out the best in them. That, that, our convert, that we should leave people better than we found them. That, that people should say, it was so nice to go to church today because I talked to Ludovic and I just feel so encouraged. That, that our conversation is, is full of grace and, and seasoned with salt. Like, obviously, that's a metaphor. Um, it's not put some salt in your mouth before you talk to people. It, it means to, to bring out the, the good flavor, to bring out the goodness in the, these conversations. Being kind, being gentle with someone is when our instinct is to lash out. When our instinct is to correct. When our instinct is to take a conversation in a direction that probably doesn't end very well to bite our tongue, to, to figure out a way to interact with grace. Doesn't mean we abandon truth, but it means that we put the priority on grace, that we can still talk about what's right. We can still talk about what's good, but we need to have our focus be on grace. And when our anger begins to brew, we need to be gentle. And when I see that your anger is beginning to brew, I need to be gentle. And when the anger is brewing up inside of both of us, I need to be gentle. It's our responsibility to diffuse the tension, to choose to turn the table by responding in kindness and gentleness. Proverbs will say that living from a place of gentleness and speaking gently has the ability to turn away wrath. It will say this in Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And that's not just supposed to be information. Oh, cool. Neat. That, you know, my, my son is into YouTube shorts. And he comes all the time and he's like, hey, dad, did you know? And tells me some fact that I could not care less about. <laughs> and, oh, that's neat. This is not supposed to be that. The, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Oh, neat. <laughs> this, this is outlining for us who we are supposed to be. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So whether it's a relationship with another person or part of the body of Christ, we need to allow gentleness to guide us. Our world is angry and mean. 
You, you don't have to spend much time looking at the world to see those things. To see that there's so much anger and there's so much meanness in the world. But gentleness is the Christian virtue that flies in the face of that. That as the world gets more angry and the world gets more mean, as Christians, we need to cling to our gentleness in order to not look like that. And friends, for too long, the church has traveled down the road of mean and angry. That, that we've allowed the meanness of the world and the anger of the world to infect us. But we need to cling to our Christian virtue of gentleness. Make it a daily point to pray for gentleness. That God will help you in the way you interact and respond to others. Gentleness is not always easy, but it's always necessary. Now, in this moment, we need to speak to something here. Because there may be some here that are saying, no, that doesn't sound right to me. That, that doesn't sound like what I'm supposed to do. It's the Bible, I'm sorry. It's the Apostle Paul. Be humble and be gentle. And as we do this, it will speak volumes to those around us. That as we talk about being something that the world can't find, the world can find mean and angry. The world needs gentle. And so just from the first two items on this list, we, we've looked at two of five things we're going to look at. And just from these first two things, one thing we can all agree on and that we can all come to a place of, of total understanding of is these don't come natural. It's not natural for me to just allow other people to always be on priority above myself. It's not natural for me to respond with gentleness. And so they don't come in and of ourselves. And so in order for us to have the unity that God has called us to have, then we're going to need to come, or we're going to need God to come and work in us and help us be different than we are. And so as our time draws to a close today, I'm going to ask you to partner with me in this. Um, I'm going to invite you to not just listen to me pray for you. Um, but sometimes in church, and especially when, when, we, when we will have a moment where we're inviting people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we'll have this, this moment where, where I'll, I'll say, oh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat that back to me. And because I think it's more important that, that we pray for ourselves, then I pray for you, that, that you pray in your, your heart for yourself, believing that I need God to do this in me, and that it's not just me praying, God, would you do it in, in them, would you do it in us, but I want God to do it in me. We're going to do that together. And so what we're going to do is, is I'm going to pray a line, and then I want you to not just repeat it back to me, because that's what I asked you to do, but I want you to make this your heart. That as we've talked about the need to live in humility, 
the need for gentleness in our lives, that we're going to ask God to change us. And so I want to invite you to sincerely, not just, but to really meaningly, meaningfully let this be an expression of your heart towards the Lord. And so would you, if you'd like to, would you bow your heads, close your eyes, whatever posture you take for prayer. And then I'm going to invite you to, to pray after me. Father in heaven, you have called us to live in unity. And I know that I want to do my part. But I need your help. I need you to change me. God, I'm asking you to make me more humble. Help me to think of others before myself. God, I'm asking you to make me gentle. Help me to see others through your eyes. God, change my heart. Amen. When your week feels like a beat down Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu, or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Don't stay buried in that grave. If he can roll the stone, he can't see the darkness running. Might feel like pride, but your Sunday. Your Sunday's